Jesus Christ. Slava Jesus Christo. Please be seated. Our neighbor, our neighbor, now the king, has had surgery and it's been a couple of weeks, but she's in terrible pain. <clears throat> so we must pray for her. It's not supposed to have been very serious surgery, but uh, she doesn't have cancer or anything like that, but she can't eat and she's having a hard time. I know uh, when I had my surgery, I didn't react that badly, but it took about six months to get over it, you know. So pray for her. When they went down to the emergency room in Walla in Spokane, I mean, excuse me, in Walla Walla, it, they had to wait five hours to get in. And we hear the emergency room in Spokane is the same. So we don't know what's going on. But uh, stay away from those places. I would right now. We don't know what happened, you know. So we're not privy to that information. You will be sons of light. Name the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. My dear brothers and sisters in Christ, today is the first of August, and it's we, tomorrow is Monday, and we start the fast for the dormition. But in the middle of the fast, this Friday is Holy Transfiguration, a great holy day. Will there be no fasting on that Friday? And uh, liturgy here will be at 10 o'clock in the temple. We'll have the office at the small chapel, the domestic chapel in the monastery. You'll be sons of light. Name the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. Our Lord is very concerned about us. And uh, today also is the feast of the great victory in Constantinople over the Bulgars. And that's why we bless water and we get the cross out. The reason the cross is out is because they carried the wood of the true cross before them in the battle and they won the battle. And of course, the Church of Kiev also the Rusins also celebrate this great feast. It's a great feast for them. Uh, I won't go into that battle or anything like that. Now, there's two things we have to know about light. First of all, light is energy. But the Lord is not talking about the light or energy we see by. In a way, he is, but not exactly. The light he's talking about is our participation in his life-giving life, the light of the world. He says, I am the light of the world. You have to read closely your scriptures about light, New Testament, even the old. So sometimes we think about God, 
I think about God a light, a lot, and he says I am light and life. And it's all over the scriptures. So he's not a light bulb, uh, but he can light up a room. And in this Feast Friday, he's transfigured before us. So we see the energies of God in the transfiguration. He, we see his interior light coming out. And he'll say in another place in scripture, I showed you this light, so when you see me crucified, you will not lose faith. Now, the gospel particularly is admonishing all of us that we are to bear witness to this light. And through our faith, we should enliven the world with faith and that they might come too to see the light, the light of transfiguration on the Holy Mount. It's one of the new mysteries in the rosary. Those new mysteries, by the way, are very Byzantine. They fit our calendar very well. When you pray, and I know you do pray, maybe not enough, uh, if you pray a lot, you will see the light. Uh, that kind of prayer, it's mystical prayer, it requires a disciplined life, a virginal life, and an absolute transformation in the life-giving trinity. Eventually, we have to know where this light comes from. It comes from the Father, through the Son, and empowered by the Holy Spirit. Some people never see it. Some people see it a question, uh, frequently, some people on occasion. Uh, the Hesychist spirituality and the saying the Jesus prayer is tied up with this theology of light. For the Hesychist is likely to be enlivened and enlightened by God and become a source of enlightenment and light enlightening by God. I think that the world is in tremendous crisis. It's been going on ever since the Renaissance. And then came the philosophers, you know, Descartes and all those people who really criticized the people of faith. And finally, the Enlightenment, which was no Enlightenment at all. But everybody ran to these people. They were considered great intellectuals and thinkers. But they have led the world astray. And now we have inherited this mess. Uh, I read, been reading two books. One was 
Holy Russia, very interesting book, because they've had a great renaissance of faith in Russia. On Easter, Putin got up with a red candle. Red in Slavonic is Cervenia, and Cervenia means beautiful. So he got up with a red candle, and he spoke to the Russian Federation to wish them a blessed Pascha, a blessed Easter. Our president, who's supposed to be some kind of Catholic, didn't do that. He's an embarrassment to us. Some people, I forget the names, but the bishop down the southeast, his people chided him for not defending the policy of the administration. And he resigned, and the Holy Father refused his resignation. He says, you stay there, and you take it, you take it on the chin. Witness for Christ. Our world is dark because the light of Christ is not shining brightly. And Europe itself is falling apart, and we're going to go down the grain with it. When you get to the point where your legislatures are voting in immoral laws like abortion, etc., etc., we're in the dark. Every child born is a gift of light from God. A yes to God. If you don't want to have children, become a holy celibate. Do not get married. Marriage is for children. To build the kingdom of God. More and more, there is great persecution of the Catholic Church in the United States. You have to stand up against that for your lively faith. Are you embarrassed to talk to people about your holy Catholic faith? Have you swallowed the bait? We don't talk about religion. I always want to talk about religion. I'm a big mouth. Because I'm happy with God. I'm happy to be a Catholic, especially a Byzantine Catholic, who's ancient and faith-filled and worships the light that is Christ. There are several indications of our problem. The greatest indication, I think, is this. We are sold a bill of goods about consumerism. That we have to have all these things, and we have to buy them, and we have to spend money. We don't need all these things. 
You must live a simple life, a prayerful life. A second indication is the corruption of our children in the schools, teaching them things they should not know too early until they're mature enough to know those things and respect them and pray that God keep them pure. I raised a boy. He's going to be here today. I think he's coming to see me. He was in a Christian Brothers school behind the cathedral in Seattle. We were moved by the bishop there, Bishop sent us there, and I told him when when I was adopted, I said, you know, if the bishop sends us somewhere, we have to go. Which reminds me, you don't have to like what the church is teaching you. You just have to obey it. He says, we was in his senior year, and he says to me, well, it's hard for me to move my senior year. I says, I realize that. He says, what's going to happen to me? I says, nothing. They have schools over there. He's gone from one Catholic school to another. So we came in the summer. And I went down in August, and I registered him in school. And they did give me a break on uh, tuition. Just $800 a year, I thought, instead of some thousand. So I paid that. And then he comes home with his school books. And he would go to bed at night, and I would go in his room and see what was in the school books. Read them. They weren't too bad, but they weren't too good either. So he came home one day from school. He was perturbed. And in the adults or the senior year, they teach them marriage and the family. So I had to read that book. It's something the family should teach their children, not the school. What they were saying in there was immoral. So I went down to the school, and uh, he was the vice principal, was teaching this. And I said, I, I did not send my son to school here that he would be corrupted. I issued my complaint. Of course, he was fired. But he said to me, priests don't have children. I said, how little you know about the Catholic Church. There's lots of priests with children, even celibate priests with children. I remember Father, who was with me in Yonkers, he went in the Air Force after I did, and his sister and his brother-in-law were killed in a car accident. 
and he let, was left with four children to raise. Thank God he was in the Air Force, he could afford to do that. But some <laughs> priests are not that fortunate. They are, have to raise these children. And I remember when I got Christopher, I called the bishop. I thought the bishop would say, well, you shouldn't be adopting these children. But of course, he's a Byzantine bishop. Uh, he was already about 11 and a half years old, almost 12. This street child, skinny. He still has a relationship with his, his natural family. That's a good thing. And so I, the bishop says to me, he says, oh, it won't take you long to raise him. I didn't like that answer. I got on the phone and I called another bishop. I told him the situation, he said, oh, it won't take you long to raise that boy. I said, they must have a book with questions to answers and questions. They just open it to the right page and they all give you the same answer. That's what I thought about it. But it turned out okay. He's a professor, doctor of music, conductor, teacher of strings, speaks five languages. I must have did a bad job. I didn't like what the church told me to do. But I did it. Because I was more, it was more convenient just to be a laissez-faire celibate, you know. God didn't plan that for me. I can't tell you how the light of Christ is going to enter your life in everyday things, but it does. And you may not like it. Now, people tell me that they, re they uh, read the Bible. And I try to teach you to have a day, a point in the day where you give time to God for prayer and scriptural reading so that you don't fall by the wayside. You need to be fed. And I've been reading lately the Apostolic Fathers. They're magnificent. And those are the people that wrote the New Testament. And I read their theology, what they say about the church, what the church is. A person like Gregory Nazianzen, I judged before, he's the brother of Basil the Great, and his sister is Macrina. And uh, he was sent to Constantinople to about a house church, not a real church. And when he arrived there, there were a bunch of heretics running around. They had maybe a little handful of people. And he's the father of the church. He's teaching. The light of Christ was in him. He defended the divinity of Christ. He defended that Christ was our light in our life. No one 
to make a decision in life without prayer. That enlightens you. Mystical prayer. But that will not happen unless you live a really Christian life. One that makes you expound who Jesus is, love him, hang on his every word, and he will say things to you in your heart that you cannot repeat, they're so beautiful. And you will grow, and you'll become a mystic of the church, you'll be enlightened. So people sometimes, you know, I don't necessarily like the disrespect for the sacraments. Well, they get baptized, but they think that they could do what they want, and they get chrismated, and they receive the body and blood of the Lord and the Holy Eucharist. They want to live a double life. They want their life, and they want to live the Christian life conveniently. That won't work. They want to be entertained. That won't work. Entertainment today, for the most part, is immoral. But they're bored. Had a couple come to me, they were fighting. And I told them, after the counseling session, plant a garden, do something together. Find out what hard work is. It's healthy. When I was uh, home and with my grandparents, I spent a lot of time with them. They had a really superb marriage very holy people, and uh, their children became Americanized. I did not. I sort of listened to them. And so one time, I, <laughs> we, I would eat dinner. I would work when I was in high school, and I'd come home about 4.30, and they'd have my dinner ready. And if it was still light, we'd go out and work in the garden until it was dark. And you'd come in the house from the garden work. Really, we have a paradise over here. And on the uh, East Coast, it's really humid, in the summer especially. Really humid. The perspiration pours off of you. When you work in the garden, you don't feel comfortable. So I came in the house, and it was 10 o'clock. At 10 o'clock, that house prayed. Everybody in that house went to prayer. So anyway, I said, well, when do we have time for recreation? And my grandmother said to me, you had your recreation. You got to work in the garden. Interesting. 
Now it's time to pray. So sometimes I'd stay over, and they had, in every room, they had little icon corners or a cross or something. I was kneeling down and saying my prayers. I was saying my prayers. And my grandmother said to me, are you praying? I says, I, I am, can't you see, I, I am praying. She says, well, I can't hear you. She says, if I can't hear you, how can God hear you? Speak up. There was a lot of love in that family, but a lot of discipline, and it kept me away from the society that was corrupt. Now, I also had some good times, you know. I, I played the violin, I played in an orchestra. I was, went to White Plains, for, and I heard the best musicians play. Misha Elman, in those days, was a great musician. And he told us, a group of students, he said, you know, you may not all be great players, great violinists, but he says, the beauty of studying music is you can understand what the great musicians go through to become great players. You understand that. Why I'm saying that is you have to read the lives of the saints and of our martyrs, our slab martyrs, to find out what makes you, makes you become a saint and bear witness to the light that's in you. It's not easy. It's hard work. But it's worth the effort. You are light bearers to the world because Christ is in you. But, Jesus said, let your light shine before men. Name the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen.